I, I think most parents would want to try and emulate their own parents in a way or do something for them that they didn't do for them. Um, I'm walking with Michael Di Stefano as he sets off to collect his two kids from school. I do it every single day, come rain or shine, every day. Every day I go and I'll jump on the bus and then bring them back on the bus. Michael was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in his 20s and so he's aided along the way by a walking stick. I just want to be able to, whilst I still can, because I have no idea how my own medical position might be in 10 years' time, I want them to remember that, you know, I went to pick them up from school and that familiar face, the mother drops them off in the morning and I pick them up in the afternoon. I, I want that to be part of their memory. I want them to have the, that memory that I didn't have or don't have. He's reflecting on the fact that his dad, Giovanni Di Stefano, never, not once, collected him or his siblings from school. I know we have our routine. It's again, I didn't have that routine with with my own, own father. It was, it just wasn't there. So, I'm happy they'll be able to remember. You know, dad came to pick us up from school. In fact, they take it for granted that dad will be there because they should be able to take that for granted. Because you weren't, because you weren't able to. Well, not even weren't able to, just it wasn't even, it didn't enter the conversation. It was, you know, dad coming to pick us up. It was, you, you, you dare to dream it. He just wasn't there. Now, I know this all sounds a bit like minor gripe. I mean, I don't think my dad ever picked me up from school. But for Michael's story, it's a crucial element. Because remember the hard drive that Giovanni passed to Michael right as he was sentenced to 14 years in prison? Well, the reason I've left it until now to talk about the hard drive is because when he eventually plucked up the courage to explore the contents of it, when he started his journey into his dad's many previous lives, well, it wasn't simply tales of astounding misadventure or highly classified state secrets he found on there. No, what he found on that hard drive was much closer to home. I want the truth. Tell me the truth. From What's the Story Sounds, this is Swindler, Saviour, Mobster, Spy. Episode 7, Home Truths. For the past six months, I've been regularly biking across London to sit with Michael as he delves into his dad's past. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. It's been a journey which has taken us into his years as a general in a Yugoslav paramilitary unit, his time as a Hollywood mogul and his fantastical football frenzy. Are you, are you ready to start? Are this is the last time I'll visit Michael and we've still got loads to cover. He always said, I'm never going to leave you anything. You kids will have nothing. The only thing you will have is my intellectual property. And I'd like to think that hard drive was part of his intellectual property. Michael and I are right back where we started this very journey. The hard drive. The thing I've been teasing you with all along. At what point do you decide, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a look in here? When my wife is sleeping. Michael tells me that he was at a point in his own relationship with his father where he honestly had no clue what he'd see when he opened that hard drive. Would he see something sinister? Something criminal? Something which could put his life in danger? Would he see something that would be emotionally triggering? He didn't know what to expect, so not only does he get up in the middle of the night to start his solo exploration, 
He does so with the aid of some devil's lettuce. Because of my multiple sclerosis, I, I was trying different variations of medicines to relax my body at night. And a friend had said to me, um, a friend said, you should try weed. And so I get up at night, I go out to the street and I have a few drags on a joint. And so I'm a little bit spaced. I come back inside and now I, I, I go to my desk as I would. I open up the desk, I take it out and it's in almost an identical case. It's a little bit worn, it's a little bit scratched. I mean, it's been to a rack with him, Jordan and, and other places. I turn on my computer and, you know, I plug it in, double click and normally hard drives load up quite quickly. This one took a while to load up and it took a while to load up because there's just so much on it. All of his music and shit. I mean, I, I didn't know how obsessed he was with his own fucking music. I think since the advent of computers, he's just been saving documents. It turns out Giovanni's a bit of a digital hoarder, which made fertile ground for a late night deep dive. But among the letters from presidents, the correspondence with warlords, the prison mail from serial killers, among all that, it was something else that stood out. When I was going through life-changing events, um, he put recording music, he put Iraq before helping me. Uh, when I'm, in a, when I'm in a hospital bed and I don't really understand what the fuck is wrong with me. In his mid-twenties, Michael's busy life came crumbling down with an initially paralysing diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. I haven't been able to run since I was 26. I'm 42 now. Um, I can't run around with my fucking kids and stuff. I can't play football with them. I was alone. He doesn't blame his dad for his diagnosis, N not at all, but his dad wasn't there for him in his hour of need. According to what Michael saw on the hard drive, Giovanni was off in Iraq, off recording music, off living the life we now know all about. What should have been his natural instinct to protect me. Protect me going through something that... Again, we could have discovered it together as, as father and son, what was happening. And he could have been there for that. He not could have, he fucking should have been there for that. And maybe had my passage into it been accompanied, I wouldn't have been so stressed. And so maybe some of the elements that the corrective medicine helps, maybe I wouldn't have been able to, to get back a little bit more. They always say it's how quickly you deal with things, you know, certain autoimmune or neurological conditions are made worse by, by stress elements and he didn't help take away any of that stress. If anything, he, uh, yeah, he made it harder. Um, he allowed me to unnecessarily suffer. I'm collateral damage. That's all we all are. We're just collateral damage. His, his wake, we all twirl around in his wake and none of us will ever be able to get away from that. I mean, this conversation, it kind of lends weight to the fact that there's there's some difficult conversations that you and your dad need to have probably at some point. But for me, it also makes me want to ask again, why, why stick by him throughout all this? Because it doesn't sound like he's been there for you. Hmm. 
he's my dad. I mean, he's my father. He, <laughs> I'm primogenitor. I'm the firstborn, and I'm always taken back to the tender moments when I'm a, when I'm a little boy. And maybe it's him setting the seed inside of me. I recognize that that's quite possible. It could have been done that way. He may have done it, but I, I don't think he did. I don't think he set me up to see the world the way he sees it. Um, me and him are chalk and cheese. I, politically, we couldn't be further apart. Morality, we couldn't be further apart. I can never forgive him for certain elements of the past, but I'm, I'm trying to answer your question. Does he deserve the loyalty? Yeah, um, he's dad. When I first came across Michael's story, the reason I wanted to make a series about it was because I found it strange that he still seemed to consider his dad to be his hero. I think that most of us who idolise our fathers come to a point in life when we realise the person, the hero we think they are, collapses. Often we see their ordinary people trying their hardest and getting a whole lot of it wrong. I thought an experience like Michael's would propel the destruction of such hero worship for his dad, but it hasn't. Now, his reason for that, as we know, as we've heard before, is... Because of his, his humble beginnings of where he comes from. He's my hero in the sense that... He went with it. He, he saw an opportunity, he saw an opening and, and, and went through it. The odds are against him in all of it. And I respect the fact that with the odds against him, underqualified for what he was, what he was doing, just fucking did it anyway. That is, is hero. I mean, that's, if life has an inspiration to anybody, it's never be defined by where you come from. Fine, okay. It's not inspiring to me per se, but I'll concede to some it could be. If it all happened, it could be. But what if it's all bullshit? What if it's all bluster? What then? So there's a few things that are questionable or straight out lies. And I kind of want to go through a few of them um, just off the top. So your granddad, what was the story with his death? I've got in front of me a list of things Giovanni has said that look like lies. I start with the claim made at his 2013 trial that his dad was assassinated by British spies as revenge for his working on Saddam Hussein's defence team. My, my old man believes he was poisoned. I've never been more disappointed um, in the old man than, than when he said that... The, the report said that he had a heart attack. My cousin was the second person on the scene and he confirmed, he said that my grandfather had had a heart attack whilst walking down the street. Now my grandfather had a history of them. So your granddad wasn't killed, wasn't assassinated? I will never believe that to be the case. One off my list, next. So the PhD from Cambridge claimed to have a PhD from Cambridge. Turned out he didn't. He kind of worked as a lab technician at Cambridge. What, what about that? He was a lab technician at Cambridge. I have no idea about a PhD at Cambridge. I've never heard of anything like that before. 
There are other ones that I'm going to rattle through too. He said he was worth £450 million at one point. Michael says in reality his dad at best was worth £7 million. He said that the documents proving he was a lawyer were destroyed in a massive earthquake in Campobasso. Luckily for the Campobasso locals, an earthquake of any significance hasn't hit since the year 1805. And there's of course the contentious one that he was even a lawyer in the first place. Michael still maintains that he passed the New York State Bar, but I couldn't find any evidence of this. And what about Harold Shipman? The thing about entering Giovanni's world is you're opening yourself up to the ludicrous. I never thought those words would come out my mouth. What about Harold Shipman? In case you don't know, Harold Shipman, nicknamed Dr. Death, was Britain's worst serial killer, with estimates suggesting he killed over 200 patients in his capacity as a GP. On the day Shipman killed himself in his prison cell, Giovanni did the rounds on TV claiming to be his lawyer. Shipman's actual lawyers said that wasn't true. So let's go back to Michael. What do you make of that? I think my old man was just not minding his own fucking business. I know letters were exchanged. Shipman wrote to him. But he wasn't his lawyer. Well, no. In theory, no. I mean, how could he be his lawyer? I mean, the lawyer is the solicitor. But holding yourself out to be representing someone is a lie. Do you not agree? No, I don't necessarily agree with that, to be honest with you. The second an exchange happens, an intellectual exchange would happen on a legal position. I write to you an advice, you write back to me a question, I send you back an answer to the question, at that point I'm representing your answer to you. Now, it's fast and loose with the truth, I mean that's definitely for sure, but it's not too far from the truth. Look, I'm not trying to make excuses, I'm just trying to bring some perspective into someone who, he enjoys the camera, he enjoys he enjoys some form of limelight. He's quite, he's rather eccentric in, in, in his simplicity. Okay, let's watch some videos. Our next destination, my favorite destination, is Giovanni's YouTube channel. Hi, I'm Giovanni Di Stefano, the Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Corelco Pictures, Sam Goldwyn Studios, and Eagle Line. So, so just to kind of set the scene, he's stood in front of a green screen, kind of very rudimentary green screen, but that's besides the point, kind of listing movies that are in development under his company. Those movies aren't in development, are they? Development, is there a camera rolling? No. Are there talks with other production houses about doing this? Yes. Really? The Scarlet Pimpernel. Do you remember? They seek him here, they seek him there. They seek him everywhere. This video is from 2011. I think when Giovanni was attempting to reinvigorate his Hollywood moguldom. You're gonna love it, it's back. I don't like the way he's trying to, I don't like, he's, he's, it's Trumpian, to be honest with you, this, it, it, it's ugly. When I watched this, when I watched this the first time, if I'm honest, I thought, this guy's a complete fantasist. I can see why. 
I can see why. What am I supposed to think about this? I mean, the average person would think the same thing, a complete fantasist. It's... But so, some of these have Angelina Jolie on the, on the picture. Do you know what I mean? They, they're, they're, they're... Again, I don't like that. That's misleading. That, that it, would be for her. It's, to it's a fantasy, sense. no? No, it's the, the fantasy is not. It's just misleading. Again, with Angelina Jolie, if he's just standing there behind a screen with just some trees and he's just talking without showing the pictures, it's a different argument. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Then there's another video I show Michael too. Hi, uh, this is Giovanni De Stefano of MGM Pi Pathé Records. I am not for sale, whatever offer, whatever price. I'm a buyer, not a seller. In it, he's claiming his company that has virtually no activity on company's house has been the subject of a multi-million dollar takeover bid. Michael tells me that this was an exaggeration of the truth, not an outright lie. He's created a narrative that quite possibly wasn't there in the in the, the correspondence. I don't like the way he's put on that pair of glasses, holding some fucking undertaker's hat. I don't like the statement he's making. I don't like the way he's making the statement. You said something there, which I think comes as close as perhaps as we'll get to you saying it's not true. And I think the thing for me again is I just can't believe that a company would want to buy his company, MGM Pie Pathé Records, which doesn't have it, from my understanding, doesn't have anything of value to it for multi-million. The name is the value. The names are valuable. Okay, but do you think I'm wrong when I watch this to think this guy's a fantasist? I don't think that you're wrong to think that. I mean, any normal person would do. I sit here. What about you then? Well, I sit here you're a normal person. I know, but I sit here with the benefit that nobody else has. I sit here with the benefit of, you know, I, I've seen the papers. By papers, he means the correspondence on his dad's hard drive that show he wasn't just completely making it up. But there's one more thing, and it's about the MGM takeover in the 90s. Remember those three Italian amigos who took Hollywood by storm? I'm back in front of the computer and I found myself digging about the MGM deal just now. And I spotted something a little bit strange. Um, it may be nothing, but it may show that Giovanni's at the very least um, exaggerating the role he played, if he played a role at all. This is me from a few weeks before I spoke to Michael. There's this old article written about the audacious takeover of MGM, written in Fortune magazine. Um, now in it, Giovanni's name isn't mentioned once, and the journalist literally lists the key players. Um, it's a really in-depth piece too, so surely it would mention Giovanni if he was the CEO, as he claimed. Anyway, that's not necessarily the interesting bit. I then found a book written by Giovanni called The MGM Connection, which you can read on Amazon. So I started to read it, and I felt as if I was reading something familiar. Anyway, so I went back to the Fortune magazine article, and at least the first chapter of the book is word for word the same. Except Giovanni in the third person is suddenly a key player. So he's inserted himself into the list of people involved. So I'm now sat wondering whether the MGM story is all bluster, whether 
he's inserted himself into a story that has little to do with him. Then again, maybe the journalist just missed out Giovanni and he felt he needed to correct the record. I don't know. As I said, it may be nothing, but instinctively it feels as though Giovanni has made himself the centre of the story where maybe he's not. I mean, on the front cover of the book, he's even replaced the lion from the MGM logo with his own face. I put this to Michael. The point for me is, is this yet more evidence of a man imagining his own story? Is this yet more evidence of, of a fantasist, I suppose? Is, is... I mean, I, I, see what, I see where you're coming from here. I can't say yes because I was there. And so I remember as a kid, I remember, I remember the meetings with Giancarlo in Los Angeles. I remember him bullying my old man because I couldn't speak Italian. I remember these things. I, I remember the offices. Um, I remember the limousines. So somewhere he's had a hand in all of this. Is he one of the major players? No, never was one of the major players. This is what Michael has consistently referred to as embellishments of the truth. Giovanni adding a bit of Giovanniness to the story. When I see or read this stuff though, I'm reminded of what Rosie Cowan, the Guardian journalist, said to me in episode one. The thing about that person in her village who claimed to be a fireman, who'd turn up to fires and get involved. I, in fact, used to work with a guy who was similar. He'd claim he was an F1 driver while stacking shelves at Waitrose. Everyone knew it wasn't true, but nobody challenged him on it because, well, because it was kind of sad. Do you think that's, there's any truth or any kind of resemblance in your dad's story becoming, he's almost like seen, sees himself as something he's not? I mean, what do you want me to tell you? <laughs> I don't think my old man is mentally sick, no. If I, I mean, I could just tell you he was taking the piss. I could just tell you that many of the things that he's done, especially over the past 10 years, is just taking the piss. Do you believe that? Well, that he's taking the piss, absolutely. He doesn't just believe his own lies? No. Is the spy thing taking the piss as well? I'm not sure if that's a lie. But it would be convenient, if you know what I mean. If, if it is all bluster, if your dad is a fantasist <laughs> and it is all bluster, then the then spy needs, story... Then he needs some help. <laughs> then he needs some help, he really does. He needs some counselling. That's long overdue, if that's the case. I've, I've seen too much that I can't possibly... It would be denying what I'd seen as factual. It'd be my own eyes were lying to me, to what I'd seen. So I can't possibly... You're a smart man, you know our own eyes can lie to us. Well, yes, I, I mean, you're right. You know, Houdini syndrome, eyes, ears, mind. But you would, for it to have happened so many times, it's beyond coincidence. I'm almost done on this, I promise, but the point I'm getting at is that there's much to be suspicious about Giovanni's story. And if it's not true, then he can't possibly be Michael's hero. He's lied a lot. Are his lies dangerous lies? Are they there deliberately to... Is he deliberately trying to, to be a con artist? No, I don't believe so whatsoever. Um, are they white lies? Like, I don't know, they all, they all grandmas tell. You can tell them fibs again, tell them white lies. White lies are normally based on some form of truth. Um, I suppose he would be the best person to tell you how he feels about that. White lies don't 
in my eyes, wouldn't hurt people. But he has hurt people. He's hurt people financially. He's hurt you emotionally. Yeah, I wouldn't call that a white lie then. If the what if the lie is if the lie is, you'd you'd have to base them on lie for lie. You'd have to go straight down the list. You know. Would you? Can you not take it as a collective? Can you not say? You can't say. As a whole, there are certain trends with Giovanni. There is smoke and mirrors everywhere you turn with Giovanni. They're created by him. Right, and they devastate people. I mean, look. Have devastated yeah, people. Have devastated people. As I, again, I'm a firm fucking believer in the three R's. There has to be retribution from the state, and that's prison, taking away someone's liberty, taking away someone's rights. There has to be rehabilitation, and that's a clean service section throughout, showing that you've come to terms with something. And there has to be redemption. Imagine the scene after 10 long years inside, Giovanni walks onto an aeroplane destined for his home country of Italy. A short two hour trip later, he steps off that plane onto the tarmac a free man. No doubt a free man with a plan, but also with some questions to answer. Redemption, as his son Michael says, is calling. This was the neat little spot I'd saved in the series to finally put those questions to Giovanni, to finally hear from the man himself. And he agreed to speak to me on the record when I visited him in prison. But as was almost inevitable in hindsight, his release has been delayed. So my questions will have to wait and Giovanni's new adventures will too. Could you describe Giovanni in three words for me? Brilliant. Charming. Egotistical. Bombastic. Ruthless. Arrogant. And a failure. Funny. Conning, I guess he is conning. Kind. King of bluster. And unstoppable. And now, the end is near. And so I face the final curtain, my friend. I'll say it Looking back on his life, what we can say I'll is Giovanni has certainly lived a life that's full. This song is the ideal ending. I've lived a life that's full. I travelled each and every highway. And more, much more than this I did it my way Yeah, there's no way we could end the series there. Because to the extent this story is about Giovanni, for me it was always much more about Michael. About Michael's journey. And he has some tough questions he'll need to ask his dad in the coming months. But reflecting on our conversations, I've often felt like it was Giovanni I was speaking to through Michael. Like Michael would be willing to explain away in the same way Giovanni does. Well, I put that to him. From the age of 17 until, hell's bells, 26. I don't want to say we were inseparable, but... I set out on a path and my job was to sit in the back of the room and just listen. And so I listened to a lot of things and often it was him talking. So if he has an influence on how I 
communicate answers. Uh, yeah, you, you, you've got me on this one because it's, it's impossible for me to not, it's impossible for me to not sound in some way a little bit like him. It, I mean, I can only explain away the things that I've asked him about on times where I've come to my limit of, I don't get it, what the fuck is happening here? And then do you trust his answers? Not always, no. We were having an argument one time, we were having a debate um, to which I almost gave him the, you know, the Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson line, I want the truth, tell me the truth. And instead of him coming back with a, you can't handle the truth, he comes back with, the truth is whatever I tell you. Do you think that seeped in to you? Whatever I tell you is the truth. Do you think that is how you see what he tells you? That actually maybe you don't scrutinise what he tells you enough? I scrutinise everything. I'm absolutely everything. I question him a lot. I challenge him a lot. But when I don't get the answer I want, or maybe I don't get the answer that's savoury to, to you know, the average person's ears, what am I supposed to do? Giovanni has lied, or as Michael calls it, embellished the truth. Whatever you call it, he's done it a lot. Now, that in light of what you've spoken about quite personally and how hurt you felt from your relationship or from things in your past with your dad, does that not upset you? Does that not get to you? Was, was it all worth it? Was that... Was the lies, the embellishing, was it worth it in spite of what he's done, do you think, to you? And, and, and I suppose why you feel compelled to defend him at points. Was it worth it? I've had, I've had a life a little bit less ordinary. I've been witness to, to some wonderful things. I've been witness to some, some awful things. Was it worth it? I asked myself the question many times if I could exchange it for something a little more ordinary. Fuck no. Was it worth it? Has it been worth it? Yeah, I have, the, the consequence of, of him has allowed me to lead an incredible life. And I'm not talking about a privileged life because there's no fucking privilege that comes with any of this. There's often large chunks of shame. There's relationships I will never get back. I'll never be able to have again. But... I'm thankful and incredibly grateful that a truly unique life I've been able to lead. His lies, just the consequences of of lives being a little bit less ordinary. Of course, a new chapter in that life is now just beginning as Giovanni is set to become a free man again. Beyond the frank discussions that will be needed, not just between Michael and Giovanni, but also between Giovanni's wife, Miriana, and him, between him and his other kids, perhaps even between him and the public. Beyond that, Michael has a dream for him and his dad that he told me about the very first time we spoke. I keep telling him all the time, when this shit is over, please, we have to go back and go go and take that club again. Campobasso. Campobasso Football Club. I would like us to go back and try and get it, not because I want him to run his gaffes again. I, I could run the club now. 
so I'm, I've been in football now, what, 20 years, a little bit more than 20 years. I know enough now about it. So I'd like him to take it back so I could spread my wings. When I was at Campobasso Stadium, I asked fans what they thought of this plan. And to be fair to Michael, some weren't completely against the idea. This fan said it depended on Giovanni's intentions. But there was another chap whose response struck me. Can you tell me your, your name, your name? Marco. Marco. How long have you supported Campobasso? Oh, when uh, the time when uh, I was born. When you were born, okay. Yes. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> I am 52 okay, years old. Okay. You're perfect, you're perfect then. Um, do you remember a man called Giovanni Di Stefano? Yes, you I remember. remember. Johnny Stefano, The yes. president of Campobasso yes. in 95, I think. 95, yes. Uh, what, do you, what do you remember of him? Oh, I remember... The promise of Johnny Stefano. <laughs> if he didn't get that, he said he remembered Giovanni Di Stefano's promises. The promises that the club would make it to the top league within five years, that they wouldn't even draw games, they'd only win. What did he say? But <laughs> uh, we don't know now where is it. You don't, want, you don't want Giovanni Di Stefano to come back? No, <laughs> it's good so. <laughs> no, no, enough Giovanni? No, no more. <laughs> no more Giovanni, okay. Uh, grazie, grazie mille. No more Giovanni. I left the stadium and found a quiet street in the town centre to reflect on my own thoughts about this whole mad journey. I still don't really know what to make of Giovanni or what to make of his many lives. I think what is clear is that he actively creates many layers of shade that make the truth indistinguishable. I did tell you at the start of the series that I don't think we get to any ultimate truth. I said so because I think it's impossible. Part of me thinks he creates charades to hide the fact that he's a failure, that he's been a failure. Everywhere he's turned, he's failed. He may have made it to extraordinary heights, but when he gets there, it often very quickly comes crumbling down. Of course, I might be wrong, but I think the stuff about being a spy probably falls into the same category. A facade to conceal the fact that he's devastatingly unimpressive. That's not to say he doesn't have his redeeming features. He's really good fun. He's a proper laugh. and. And he's definitely not a complete fantasist, as some people make him out to be. That's not fair, I think. And I understand why Michael sticks by him. I didn't, but I think I do now. Because even if the hero part is questionable, our dads will always be our dads. And his dad has been the ire of the mainstream for many years. I think I would defend my dad in the same circumstances. Now, I honestly don't think Michael will like how I've put this series together. But I do want to make one thing clear. I think he is the real hero of this story. He's been through all manner of hell, physically, mentally, emotionally. To grow up in a world of mystery and shame would be damaging to anyone. And he's a properly good guy. I've really enjoyed every moment I've spent with him. And he's managed to build a really nice life for him and his family, who he gives all his attention to. 
Michael always told me throughout this that he didn't know how to tell this story because he didn't yet know what the moral of it was. Well, that's it for me, I think. It's his mantra that if you're brave and kind in the face of outrageous circumstances, well, you can make a pretty good go at life. Right, I need a beer. Swindler Saviour Mobster Spy is a What's the Story original production. Our music is supplied by KPM and our lawyers, who are definitely accredited, are Felicity Price and Emily Barber at Reviewed and Cleared. The series is produced and edited by me, Callum McRae, and my executive producers are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. If you've enjoyed this podcast, and we hope you have, please follow and leave a review. Who knows, there might be further episodes to come, depending on what Giovanni does next.